You're listening to the Influential Conversations podcast with Industry Influencer of the Year, Kirk Stafford and guests. Proudly brought to you by Tappy, helping property managers deliver a world-class maintenance experience to their landlords and tenants and save 40% of their time processing maintenance requests. Box Brownie, the innovators in property photography. Have a look at their new product, Snap, Snap, Snap. This is the brand new phone app designed specifically for real estate agents, which allows you to shoot professional quality photographs straight from your phones. Inspection Express. They're the market leader in property inspection reporting and digital signature property documentation, giving you a seamless approach to the way that you manage properties, as well as Agent Dynamics, the market-leading team development ecosystem to help you nurture, grow, and retain your property teams since 2014. Now, here's your host, Kirk Stafford. Well, here we are again, another influential conversation, and this time I am sitting with a lady that I've really wanted to speak to for a while, the amazing Ashley Goodchild from Perth. Ashley is somebody who's been in the industry for about 20 years now and has covered every role that there is from reception through leasing, through admin, through property manager, and now is the director of property management for SoCo Realty in Perth and is also the creator of PM Collective, which I'll get you to speak to in a couple of minutes, Ash. Um, she's She's an amazing driving force over there. She's also a mum of three, stepmum of another three. That sounds like the Brady Bunch. And running what seems to be an incredible business, an incredible collective as well of, of property managers. So, Ashley, welcome again. Thank you for coming on board with this. Tell us about you. Who are you? <laughs> So I have been in the industry just over 20 years, so 23 years to be exact, and I started my real estate business when I was 23, and I started it because I had a bit of a painful boss at the time and wanted to make sure that I was set up, you know, when I was ready to have children and things like that. So that's sort of where I started um, my real estate journey, and I I always say that I'm very fortunate that I have had a wonderful um, real estate career and my team um, in my real estate are very long-term, you know, anywhere between 6 to 13 years in our sales, even longer. And someone pulled me up on that and said, Ash, it's not luck and you're not just lucky to have that. You must be doing something to have that really good culture in the business. So I've sort of taken the last three or four years really uh, when people ask me um, questions about whether it's culture or, you know, being collective to really work out what what did I do to get to where I am and what good decisions did I make? And I could go into it forever, so um, so just stop me when my intro allows. No, 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 you keep going. You keep going. That's, that's, that's what this is about. As, as I said to you earlier before we actually came on, I want to have different voices. I want to have people's stories. I want to know who they are, where they've come from, uh, because I think there's there's a little bit of that missing in the industry because we get we get into overwhelm. So, yeah. look, how did you get into property management? Of all things to choose as a career, really? Yeah. Well, I know it's so cliche. You never choose 
to do property management. I was actually studying naturopathy um, out of school and I was doing a Bachelor of Natural Medicine. I had 150 massage hours left. I had finished my, my study and I had all these prep hours. So while I had the prep hours, I thought I'll go get a job. So I got a job in a little tiny boutique um, where the agency owner had just passed away and it was taken over by, this is a real estate business, taken over by an air hostess and a pilot. Now, clearly they had no idea what they were doing. I came on as a receptionist and I started, you know, when you're sort of 18 and you start earning somewhat, you know, a salary, it gets a little bit enticing to stay there and all of a sudden my massage hours became a very distant history and I didn't finish them and I stayed in my role. (laughs) And I I did property manager, I did reception, but then because these two business owners had no idea what they were doing, I had to start doing a lot more support and I'm naturally probably a bit of an overfunctioner. Um, that's what my mum uses, that term is what my mum uses, an overfunctioner. So I try to do everything. So I jumped in and I helped them with payroll, I helped them with Estrada, I helped them with property management. And then it just sort of kept on leading in that direction where I sort of just had a whole grasp of the agency that I was working for, doing everything to help them. And um, I actually don't know the reason why I moved on from that agency, but I moved on to the next one and and then, you know, worked for a couple of people before I um, started on my own. So that's sort of how it all started. If I'm completely honest with you, though, I when I was 23 and I decided, um, you know, I wanted to do something on my own, It was more because I, for me, it's my responsibility um, and I always felt the responsibility to not rely on anybody else for, you know, for for money and dependency. So my husband at the time was, I didn't ever want to be reliant on him for him to be the sole income earner for the family and I knew that I wanted to have children in five years. And so I thought, you know, if I start a business then I can just get myself um, sort of to have a passive income so that when the time came to have children, I've got a passive income and I don't have to put that pressure on him at the time. I think that I would have been a business owner no matter what career I was in, though. I just happened to be in real estate and that's why I opened a real estate agency. But to be honest, I could have been a hairdresser at the time and opened a hair salon. I don't... Or a naturopath. Or a naturopath, exactly. I I think I was always destined to be, um, you know, a business owner and a leader there. Um, And it just happened that I was doing, um, you know, property management. And I'm good at it. I enjoy it. And uh, I have a different perspective than maybe a lot of people. Probably one thing that I just mentioned about, you know, being one step ahead that's why I started the business. That's actually something that I take into my day-to-day role all the time. I'm, I, I mentally am always one step ahead. I know what my next move will be if I have something thrown at me. So, for example, if I was to, heaven forbid, have any staff, you know, my team say, Ash, I'm resigning, I know what my next step is. Um, so I never panic because I'm always prepared for worst-case scenario um, to the point that I've even set my business up with so many great efficiencies that, like, worst-case scenario, my team all leave and I'm left by myself running an agency of 850 properties. Would I be okay? And the answer is yes because mentally I'm one step ahead. I've got systems in place. I could do it temporarily if I needed to. 
I've, I've just got that mindset of working like that day to day. Your mother was right. You're over-functional. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a positive these days and not a negative. Yeah, well, that's right. And that's the whole thing. I think a lot of our language has changed that, you know, we look at things like that. People say, oh, you know, you're over overachiever over or over-functional over or whatever. Well, that's actually now not necessarily a bad thing. But if you take it to extremes, it certainly can be because it presents its own challenges, I know. <clears throat> but you need, I think, particularly, and you were saying a minute ago, you need to have a plan of what you're going to do next. If something happens, what do you do next? And I think that's part of the, the reason that we've got a, a fair bit of, in fact, a lot of overwhelm in our sector that there's no plan for what do you do next, which is that whole processes and procedures bit. And I think, look, yeah, we've come out of three very challenging years and I was looking at it actually uh, a couple of days ago. I was, uh, you know, this time three years ago, uh, we're now in February 2023 because this this will be a delayed podcast, but three years ago we were only just starting to get wind that there was this thing that might be about to cause us some problems called the coronavirus COVID-19 epidemic that was going through China. And then all of a sudden, within within a month, international borders were closed. Yeah. We're all told to go home and not move outside of our home because, you know, this, this was a, a really confronting thing. How did that affect you? How did, how did you and your team find that as a challenge? What did you do to, to overcome that? This is really, I feel very blessed that the universe looks after me in funny ways because probably two years prior to this all happening, we actually had some financial struggles in our business and we had we had our systems and our business so squeaky clean and running so frugally, you know, to the point we were cleaning our own, own toilets. We were trying to to gather dollars where we could. So we, you know, got rid of the cleaner, we got rid of putting the signs up, we were doing all of that ourselves. And we, so yet two years before COVID, we had got our business so um, low cost running so that when COVID happened, it actually was okay because we weren't having to make all those drastic changes at the time because we had to make them two years prior. So I say fortunately, we were already one step ahead so we were very thankful but then the benefit of having really good long-term staff and I'll get upset saying this because it because it was so like it was so fortunate sorry that's fine no go right ahead I'm, you know, this is that's what I like about you you're real you're really you're about as real as it gets that <laughs> <laughs> we we said to us our team listen like we don't know what's going to happen I'm trying to talk normally because if it's a podcast, people are only hearing this as an audio. But like we said, we don't want to be one step behind. Like we are needing to make these changes now. And we asked them all if we could reduce their salary, just 25%, just just so we know what's actually happening. And the team all did that. They all reduced their salary. And we we had already reduced our own salaries as well, um, just enough for us to get by. And we also had staff members that said, actually, you take more if you need more. Like, you cut our salaries right back down, which was so lovely. So they did that for us. And as a result, after a month, we were able to 
we, were, we had a really clear plan. We were able to give that all back to them plus more as a thank you. And it really, we just wanted, again, to be one step ahead and we didn't want to wait and see what happens to be able to then already be one month behind in expenses, expenses if that right. makes sense. We wanted yep. to get into the forefront of it. So we did. So that's how we did it. And it was purely a team effort. Like it, it, it was one person a team effort. And that just shows you the culture that we have in our office and um, why I say that I'm fortunate. But, yeah, that, that's how we got through COVID. Yeah, yeah. How did your team cope? Were they, were they, I mean, obviously they were incredibly loyal and incredibly supportive. How did they cope from a from a resilience point of view, from a, the, the mental health point of view? Were they, they all pretty okay too? They were okay, yeah. We yep. have a very special group where, again, we we had, we've been through so much together. We have been through um, a team of a lot of personal um, stuff going on, divorces, separations. And so as a team, we immerse ourselves personally you know, into our into our work life as well. So they are very, very resilient. And because we have been through a lot personally, and I think as time goes on um, with your team, you get to know them more, you go through things together, and that's what makes you stronger together. So they they were very resilient. They we were very honest with them. We just said we don't know, we're just gonna do one step up at a time, and we had a three-step process. So we were very open in saying step one was to do the, the pay reductions. If that doesn't solve after one month, they knew what the next step was. Next step was that we were going to have to um, lay off people. They, everyone, that, that was our second step. And we said to them, we don't want to be at that step. We're just telling you that's our step. So when it came to doing those pay adjustments, they were very open to that because they thought, well, if we can all just chip in together, we can stay together as a team. So that was why they were so happy to, to help yeah. together. So then step two, if we needed to, was to get rid of somebody. Um, get rid of someone, you know what I mean? That's a harsh yeah. way of saying it. But they knew that. Then they knew that step three was... Well, Bill and I knew that step three was that we were going to have to let the whole team down and get rid of everybody and then just do it ourselves. Like that was like worst case scenario. We knew that it was never going to get to that, but we still were mentally prepared that that was potentially something that could be an option. Um, so that was that was how we sort of coped by being transparent with the three stages, and they all knew. And we would advise them when we're at that stage. And fortunately, we never got to stage two um, because of their contribution to stage one together. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Gee, that's great. But that's, that's what really good, open and transparent communication can do. You're actually laying the groundwork first and telling them these, these are the steps. So it's, there's no surprises. And, and no. I think a lot of the really successful companies that, that I've I've been exposed to, that I've walked into, that I've consulted to or I've, I've done some work in, have had that no surprises policy. Everything's above board. Everything's open for discussion. And they can really have really honest conversations with their teams and that keeps the team together. Did you? Was that your experience as well, that it actually bound people together as almost a, a common good, as a common goal? Yeah, I think that by being transparent and that I know there's so many people that don't want to 
be vulnerable like that with, with their team. But by being transparent, there is no Chinese whispers happening behind the scenes. There is no talk and people making up their own stories in their head because that that in personal and in business life is a problem. So I would rather be open so that no stories are made about what ifs or, you know, about stuff they don't know. So it even, even when it comes to the business side of things, we're very transparent on, you know, this is the percentage that's allocated to salaries. This is the percentage for profit. This is the percentage for admin um, expenses. So then when it comes to wanting to introduce a new piece of technology or something like that, I can just say to them, listen, it's not in our budget because it's going over our admin you know, budget that we've got. However, how about we look at some things that we maybe aren't using that we could get rid of so that we can allow for that new product. Mm-hmm. So have those, so that's how transparent we are with our team. They know the business side of things as well. Um, and you can share that without sharing the bottom dollar. But you can share, and, and when they all understand and know what the goal is and, you know, how you work, it, it, I don't know, there's, there's, like you said, a no surprise policy. Um, however, going into that, there's a funny thing called, um, that I like to refer to as um, structured management, brand and leadership, where there is surprises. So the leadership side of things, and this is something that I've learned over the years, is that I am not someone who remembers birthdays, anniversaries, that type of thing. My team come to me and say, hey, Ash, I've been with you for eight years today. And I'm like, cool. And that's conversation over. (laughs) Yeah, And they know that about me. But then we do, like, we might go out for random breakfasts or random lunches or I'll get random coffees and all of that or, you know, random gifts for them. So when you do things randomly, they're appreciated and there's no expectations. So I love that that works very, very well in our business. And I see a lot of teams where they do their anniversary flowers and their birthdays and everything is by the book. And I don't think leadership is by the book. Um, And for me, I feel like if you are too predictable, that's when expectations are made with your team and that's where you can fall into problems. Um, You know, it might be an expectation that there's a pay rise each year or gifts for your birthday, but it's things are appreciated so much more when they're random because they come from the heart and there's never a monetary value on it because something as simple as a $4 coffee is considered special for the day. That's right. And look, it's, I think everybody likes to be made to feel important and special, and particularly on things like birthdays. So maybe set up a calendar reminder for yourself around birthdays and anniversaries might be a good trick. But that's that's the side. Uh, but, yeah, look, and I, I think that having that spontaneous an almost random act of kindness or random act of recognition is a really, really good way to to instill a good culture within the team. Because if somebody is struggling, you'll know about it. But how big is your team? It's about seven or eight people now, isn't it? Twelve in total. That's including a couple of in the sales team. So I think it's four sales, eight property management. Yeah. Yeah. But I think within that team, just if we just sort of focus mainly on the mm-hmm. PM, you'll know someone in that team struggling. Because if yeah. you don't see it yourself, somebody's going to come to you and say, hey, Ash, look, just noticed that so-and-so is having a bit of a tough time. And that's when true leadership steps in and goes, hey, come on, um, whatever her name is or his name is, let's go for a coffee. Or 
here's a coffee or why don't you go and get yourself a massage or go for a walk or something along those lines. Yeah, can I show a really great exercise that we did as a team and I think that a lot of people could actually easily use this in the, in the business. As a team, we had a meeting and we went around the table and we all put down a number between 1 to 10 of how we were feeling in terms of our stress levels. So 10 being the highest stress, 1 being the lowest. So we all graded ourselves. So I put myself at a 5. Um, actually, I might have put myself at a 3 or a 4. Anyway, really low. So I was like in the middle. I'm not highly stressed, but I'm not super relaxed, right in the middle. Everyone ran around and did it. But the next part of the exercise was super important. We actually had to also rate each of our team members. So we went around and we rated each other where we felt they were on the stress um, stress scale. And so there were some team members where I put them at a nine and they also put themselves at a nine as well. And that's a really good sign that I know where you're at and you have shown us where you're at. So we're on the same playing field because um, that, and so that's actually a good sign when I have rated you the same as how you're feeling. Mm-hmm. But biggest thing was that there was one staff member where I put at a two. She actually put herself at an eight. That's a problem. So when that happens, then we go, hold on a second. I didn't realise you were so stressed. You've been hiding it. You haven't been saying anything. So this poor girl burst into tears and it actually opened up the conversation. But it was so good. Um, With me, my team had put me down as a two. They put me down as really low stress. And I and they were also like, Ash, I didn't realise. And I was like, no, five is five is good for me. But it also showed everyone that they actually maybe don't see all the stresses that I had um, and that I'm pretty good at covering it. So the reason why that exercise is really good is to get your team to put a number. So for a short time after that, that meeting that we had, that workshop, in our group messenger chat, which we have every morning, we stay in touch with each other with what we're doing. We went through a stage of actually putting how we were feeling in that day. And it's a hell of a lot easier to put a number than to actually verbalise how you're feeling. So you're going to have people in your team that don't want to say, I've had a really shit morning. I'm not feeling very good about myself. They're not going to say that. But if you put down, I'm feeling a three today, all of a sudden it's a very a, a lot um, easier for us to articulate when we're feeling stressed. And it also is a very simple way to let the team know um, not a three, I, I'm an eight. Um, it's a really easy way of letting the team know, listen, I'm an eight today. And that might be the opportunity for someone to say, hey, let's go get a coffee or lunch together. Or maybe it's let's just leave that person alone and not bother them too much today. And I find that the number system is a, um, yeah, is a, a lot more easier for people to confidently say how they're feeling. So that might be a really great exercise for people to have in the team um, as yep. well. I agree entirely with that because something that I've, I've used before in, in the same circumstance, someone say, how are you feeling? On a, on a scale of 1 to 10 where 1's, you know, sort of I'm at rock bottom, I'm not going to get any better, or 10, I'm on top of the world and I'm just about jumping out of my skin, how do you feel? So it's a similar sort of thing. I mean, you're, you're doing it in terms of stress and in terms of internalisation, but it's just being able to give them something that's not as confronting as attaching an emotion to it. Mm, you know, they've, had a, they've had a rough night because one of the kids or the partner or the dog or whatever has been you know, incredibly sick and uh, they're, they're just coming to work dragging their feet behind them. So yeah. it's, it's a matter of getting that conversation going with them and, and actually giving them the space to be able to, um, to articulate 
really clearly uh, once they get past that point where this has come from. Yeah. When yeah. you get to about a, a, an eight in terms of your, your stress levels and what have you, we, you know, we get to that point where we just go, that's it, I've had enough, I just don't want to do this anymore. You, you, you're stressed and you're, you're I, actually, I'm looking at your spy, you don't get that way. <laughs> when, I do. When, I do. Yeah. I'm going to tell you exactly what I do. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to ask you what you do. I want to, I want to know where you get your your inspiration. Where do you draw your influences from? When you're at that point where you just, everything's just a challenge. Where do you go? Well, I, I will refer back to my team because they definitely um, the funnest people to work with. Yeah, uh, I'm again. Here come the tears again. <laughs> this is fabulous. Oh, to know so, that you're so engaged with them is, is amazing. They're just so funny. Like they just they're very, we've all got the same humor. Like so so definitely that, but. The, for, I mean, for me, it's probably like music, but I'm a big, in terms of people that inspire me, I mean, there's not actually someone in particular that inspires me, but I just need to be around some humour um, and it might actually even be watching dumb stuff on TikTok because that humours me. Um, so for me, just surrounding myself with something funny is really important. I think this is a really good segue to come into that, if you are feeling so stressed out, have a look at who's around you because it is purely your surroundings, home, um, you know, family. Like let's say the kids are stressing me at home. You know, I come to work and I have lots of fun. Um, or if the team is stressing me out for the day, then I've got, you know, my partner at home who knows how to, you know, de-stress me um, in very, you know. Um, yeah, flowers. So, <laughs> flowers, yes. Yeah. So, so, as people they may or may not know, I've got a flower delivery every single day this week um, with a very cheesy message on it. So, oh, those I've pickup got, lines. I've, he's been Googling cheesy bad. pickup lines, I'm sure of it. They were bad. They were real bad. Um, yeah. I actually messaged him and I said to him, Who helped you with the flowers and the messages? And he said, The florist. I said, Yeah, but what about the messages? He said, The florist. <laughs> So oh, God. The, <laughs> I, I must go thank, thank the florist. But, you know, that I like to work with a, a cup um, a cup of water mentality personally and in work, and I vocalise that a lot. Um, even, you know, in a personal, I will say, um, you know, to my family, listen, my cup is not sitting too high at the moment, and, you know, they would say, where's it sitting it's sitting at about quarter. Okay, Asha's cup sitting at about quarter. What can we do to chop that up? And I always say you need to put lots of healthy deposits into that cup of water because we all need to be operating not at half full. We need to be operating at three quarters or nearly full. And the reason for that is because we need to allow for little spills to be, you know, to happen during the day and, and that water to fall out because it does. That's just expected. Everyone needs to understand, you know, there's going to be things during the day that disappoint you or, you know, frustrate you and that's going to remove that water. So by staying at about three quarters full allows me enough for those spills to happen without it affecting me. The problem is, is that if we start getting to quarter, that's the danger zone. Like, that's when we go, okay, we need to get some good, healthy deposits happening. So the good, healthy deposits in my life are definitely the people that are around me. 
but they're also um, something as it doesn't um, things don't have, it doesn't have to be money driven in terms of like buying yourself a nice handbag or something like that. Mine um, is buying a cheeseburger meal with a post mix Coke, and I'm serious when I say that to you. Oh that my is not number one. <laughs> yes, but that's my number one thing. If I if I have had a bit of a crappy day or I'm stressed out about something, I will go and just grab that. And that actually does help me feel a lot better. The yep. second thing for me would maybe be getting my nails done if I'm or getting a pedicure. I know that I can do that and I will sort of, you know, snap out of a mood that I'm in. Um, and the third thing is having a shower. So having a long shower for me is something that's really um, important. To the point, like because I'm a big Coke fan, like I love I love a can of Coke. So um, so when I say you know Lindsay knows how to de-stress me, he will actually I'll get behind and he'll say Ash, get in the shower, and he'll actually pass me a can of Coke in the shower. And I'm <laughs> but but the the reason I share this is that they're things that we we all need to have three things that we know that are going to get us out of a bit of a shitty day. So you. Everyone needs to know what they are because that's what I do. I mean, we have shitty days. You can't not have them. So just work out how to how to get rid of them as quickly as possible. That's the name of the game. And I know that those three things um, will get me out of that mood. So, you know, you can now picture me with my feet up at the um, at the nail salon, getting my nails done, eating my cheeseburger and Coke and within an hour. Yeah, but the thing is, it's funny you mentioned this. We're running out of time, so I'm going to be really quick with this. Funny you mentioned the long shower because that is actually seen as being a very therapeutic thing to do for a lot of people. In fact, I've seen somewhere recommended as part of a therapy practice because you're in there, you've just got water washing everything off you, and it really does. It just strips away all the all the grime and everything that's on your skin from the day. But it also, while it's doing that, you're not really thinking about work or anything like that. So you you do tune out and you switch off. And that's a, that's a really good one. It's a very good note, I think, to end on as well. So, Ashley, good child. Thank you so much. It's been a delight. I'm sorry. It's only, it's, we've gone for half an hour. It feels like five minutes. I know. It does. But that's that's great. I really, really do appreciate you coming on the, on the podcast. Thank you so much. I look forward to catching up with you again soon. And hopefully either you'll be on the East Coast or I'll be on the West Coast. And we'll go for that cheeseburger and the Coke, except I'll have water. <laughs> My pleasure, Kate. All right. All the best. Thanks again. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in. You've been listening to another podcast in the Influential Conversation series. These are brought to you proudly by Tappy, Box Brownie, Inspection Express, and Agent Dynamics. Please be sure to tune in next time for the next in this series.